In this episode, Jason and I go in-depth on Kevin Kelly's amazing book, New Rules for the New Economy, and how you start with technology, but ultimately end with trust. It's all about building a relationship with your audience these days. You're listening to Digital Bacon FM. Bringing us to the top of the hour, and of course it's Friday, it means that we need to go over to Hong Kong and speak to the Jedi Knight of all things intelligent content marketing. Yoda knows the Force is strong within you. May the Force be with you. You will succeed, yes. Good morning, Mr. Barnes. Good morning, young man. How the hell are you? Not too bad. How the hell are you too? And three. Uh, no complaints. We're moving into a uh, long weekend in Hong Kong. Another one. It seems to be uh, every other weekend's a long weekend uh, since uh, the end of, uh, well, actually, since the end of December, I think about it. Mm. Christmas and New Year and Chinese New Year and uh, Easter and all the public holidays falling where they have. So I feel your yay pain. Yay for that. I feel your pain. We, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, you know, someone who's long retired to uh, the, the wonderful um, <laughs> pleasures of the Drakensberg. Yes, but still life goes on, public holiday or not. Yeah, if you've got electricity and connectivity, I understand that's the case. How are you traveling with that today? Uh, we had from Tuesday, no electricity on and off. Same on Wednesday, same on Thursday. Last night it went off for just over an hour, which was okay. Uh, I had a show with Phil this morning on RTHK, so luckily there was internet and power for that. And of course, for you, good sir, we have power and we have electricity. And even though, forever. even though the sun's shining, it's bloody freezing. It's about four degrees. Winter is coming. Rather than me. Yeah. Rather than me. Dodging those bullets of lack of connectivity and, uh, and electricity. What uh what kind of life is that, I say? What kind of life is that? <laughs> anyway, I'm a connection economy man, so we better get on with it, have we not? Absolutely. All roads lead to Romans. I mean, Rome. Yeah, yeah. So, again, quick recap. We're doing. We're going through the Monopoly Plan and Material. Um, it's one of the PowerPoint presentation that's available on your website and uh, sets out the kind of like the, the 10 steps to building a Monopoly. Uh, uh, across 36 heads of information, which I've called chapters. Uh, and today we're on the 24th of 36 chapters. Um, we're uh, in the movie How to Build a Monopoly from Nothing We Normally Invested. I uh, make the point that all roads lead to Rome. Hmm. So uh, kind of, you know, what do I mean by that? What I mean is, is if you if you have an understanding of how the world works today, then you have the possibility of... Um, aligning the natural dynamics of what's going on that, you know, more than likely you truly don't understand, you know, why it's happening and what in fact is happening at any kind of granular level of detail. But you've got the ability to line up that momentum in your favor and you can um, uh, build a monopoly, basically, in mm. uh, in your particular niche. And that can be, you know, a monopoly, however you define it. Uh, most monopolies ultimately want to uh, lead to money because they these things um, – typically end up being monetized and certainly in the connection economy from an entrepreneurship perspective you're going to be engaging on monopoly building in order to you know yield the financial return a lot of mm. people might be interested in taking adopting these techniques not to build a monopoly for, from in a fiscal perspective but to you know build a monopoly in mind space in a particular niche or 
or uh, you know a whole, whole collective pool of content on a very very particular niche. So you monopolize that space in that fashion. So um, as you know, there's four intellectual heroes in my life that uh, you know the, the the stuff that I learned from them over the uh, of the early part of the, the building of the Hong Kong Visa Center uh, business model, uh, the four intellectual heroes being Don Tap, Scott, Seth Godin, Charlie Munger, uh, and Kevin Kelly. Uh, and it's Kevin Kelly who I'm going to turn to today specifically when we're talking about old roles leading to Rome in the fashion that I just enunciated. Mm. Um, because he turned my head in the right direction. Uh, probably two years into the project, uh, when I came across a book that uh, Seth Godin uh, and his work put me on to an actual fact uh, by Kevin Kelly called uh, New Rules for a New Economy. And basically, uh, in that book, uh, Kevin Kelly sets out um, essentially seven, uh, actually there's more than seven, I think there's, there's, there's nine or ten altogether, but there's seven that I'm going to discuss particularly. So it's a phenomenon that have emerged or would emerge in the new economy uh, that we now call the connection economy that he kind of anticipated, you know, would eventuate. And uh, uh, and then when I picked up the book, and he wrote that book in 96, um, so I picked up the book in about 2002, 2003, I guess. It, no, beg your pardon, 2012. Uh, 2013, I think I picked it up first time. Um, and uh, having read the book, all I needed to do was to sort of look back over time to see what kind of adjustments had happened in the way that you know like economies operate in the connection economy, uh, and see what he had to say about that, and uh, see you know how um, close to reality he was able to predict it. Well, you know, given that everything uh, he said was going to happen did in fact occur, uh, it just became obvious to me that uh, over the what so 12 or 15 years or so that uh, had passed since I first wrote the book, uh, all I needed to do was to um, take confidence out of the fact that if everything until now had uh, come good, then what was it saying over the next 30, 40 years, and how was that going to sort of you know steer my thinking in terms of you know what the resulting business model was going to look like? So I was looking for answers, and he just seemed to you know have a uh, a kind of a, a Rosetta Stone to the future there. So. Um, uh, major, major book. And the good news about this one for your listeners, of course, is that you can get it on the web for free in a PDF. Hmm. Uh, the power of free, Mr. Black. Always. So uh, the seven core sort of rules for a new economy, for things to sort of, you know, take into account. Um, yeah, the, this is rule number one. Start with tech, end with trust. Now, what does it mean by that? What it means by that is that all around you, you've got all of this sort of, you know, technological experience that's just emerging at a rate of knots um, that you can't really sort of fathom and you can't keep a, uh, a sort of a, a handle on. Um, but he says you don't ultimately have to be worried about any of that. He said what you've got to understand is that there will be people that, that are good at tech in the connection economy and who make, you know, fortunes out of it and make a living out of it and who who have opportunities out of it, that's all well and good. That, that, that's for those guys with propellers in their heads. But in the final analysis, it's the rest of the, the rest of society that's going to be benefiting from the technology that the minority of individual or peoples actually are, you know, are, are responsible for. Um, so what it does is it gets down to relationships. 
Um, and when you look at what technology has historically done, it is it's, it's, it, in the industrial economy, technology amplified productivity. I mean, you and I both remember the time, you know, before the internet came along when, you know, the most advanced tech we had was the fax machine, um, and uh, a printer, a standalone computer and, and, and sort of making all those technologies work together, uh, meant that there were constraints as to, you know, how we could actually make that technology deliver, you know, manifest compounded productivity to us. But once it all got connected and the, the processing power and Moore's law and all the rest of that good stuff came into play, it meant that, you know, you could create this technology and you could you could in, introduce all these new ways of doing things mm. but but you're not going to get any more productivity out of it because productivity in the connection economy is meaningless what you really need out of the interactions of human beings with all this technology that's emerging is trust because it's about relationships mm-hmm. so so i knew that when i read this that i didn't have to be worried about the future um because i'm not a techie I knew that the tech would be out there for me. Other people would be responsible for it. It was a question of how do I harness that technology and what they understand about the process um, of relationship building uh, as a result of the harnessing of that technology that led to my appreciation when I read this rule that it's all about trust. Mm. So start with technology and with trust. Would you you say that uh, by and large human beings are trusting or not and if they are not trusting how do you gain trust when you have such a limited opportunity for their attention i think i think the ability to earn trust is a function of uh, the need that you have to interact with the other party that puts yourself a vulnerability of having your you know trust betrayed mm. uh, with the um, with your ability to actually read the signals that determine whether you're not you know you should be availing trust to this person so you know what is this public persona all about what do you know about him and mm. what level of transparency have you got over him so so I think that there's uh, the general inclination of, of humans is to trust because Without trust, we you know we don't grow, and we, growth is it's part of evolution, and you know we, we we as a species are evolving, so it's a it's the natural momentum, if you will, uh, you know that sort of fuels our DNA. I think is this trust thing, mm. um, but I think most people uh, want to trust, uh, and um, I'm certainly looking for signals from you know the people that I'm going to be dealing with. Uh, to know that they are trustworthy, and, but in the final analysis, it's a bad assumption of risk, right? And and there and therein lies some of the difficulty in that a, a lot of what we intuit about people comes from body language and or uh, just the ability to talk to a human being. But if you go down the typical connection economy route, where a lot of it is online, how do you then do it if there isn't really that human interaction, except for social proof? Well, that's the only thing that you've got, right? So Google, Google search and LinkedIn is where, where you go at it. Um, um, and then once you think that you've got any kind of genesis of a relationship in those circumstances, you've got to make a determination as to, you know, whether you proceed commercially, for example, or, or, or engage in any other act of trust mm-hmm. with, a, with another counterparty uh, and put yourself out there. Uh, and you're, you're always going to be exposed to risk. I think you can only ever mitigate risk on the basis of experience. And mm. that's where wisdom and old age comes in, right? Mm. 
And do you ever, or have you ever been in the situation where you've done a good job for a client, but the client isn't particularly um, keen to put him out, himself out there and say, um, yeah, they did a great job. They'd rather just be done with it and move on. Well, good, 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 good point. I mean, we don't solicit um, recommendations or references per se from clients if they volunteer to give us some words. We, you know, we snatch their hands off, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I think what that then boils down to is because there isn't a system that we have in play that would solicit, you know, a response from them that would mean they'd have to sort of intellectually and emotionally engage whether they wanted to do that or not. Um, mm. If you don't have a system in place like that that instigates that action, then it just boils down to the you know characters, the personal qualities and characteristics of the clients who are just so so genuinely thrilled with the experience that they've had that they're you know prepared to um, uh, put their name to it and let everybody else know uh, how mm. it's fared. Mm. Well, if you ha- if you have a look at uh, so yeah. Um, yeah. If you have a look at uh, models well, like Airbnb, w- which is very dependent on reviews and the element of trust that you would have to go and stay in somebody's home and and vice versa, the person that's coming to stay in your home, um, without that opportunity of social proof, it would be a model that wouldn't work. Indeed, you, and that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. If you have a look at the, the comparison with that in a hotel, you are relying on a brand um, far less than you mm-hmm. are on a on a uh, on a review from somebody. If you were to stay at the Four Seasons, for example, you know that the Four Seasons brand would carry a, a level of experience uh, that you'd be willing to pay for. Yeah, well, you know, the Airbnb example I think illustrates uh, this uh, new rule uh, that Kevin Kelly enunciated in nineteen ninety six perfectly. Start with tech, end with trust. That's mm. what they did, right? The market came into play zero to one um, on the basis of technology. Uh, and then once the tech was out of the way and it delivered its uh, its thing, uh, you ended up with trust. So what I've understood about Airbnb's business model and how they're presently trying to deal with complaints, very very genuine complaints that uh, uh, people have when they use a service, Um is to, is to try and bolster the whole aspect of trust. Mm. Um, and if they don't get their act together and they don't, if they don't arrive at the conclusion that, you know, ultimately it is about trust, uh, then, you know, users are going to uh, 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 leave the uh, platform in droves. And the same um, with Uber. Have you had a bad experience with Airbnb? I, I know, know you and I, I know we've got, we've got a friend, Joe, who has had a bad She's experience. Had, have she, you had a bad experience? No, no. And, but she will never, ever use them again. And um, yeah. they, they, they. I think they picked the wrong side. Uh, they sided with the person that owned the apartment, and I saw. As they the, tend to do, apparently. Y- yeah, I suppose that's the base of 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 what they rent. There'll always be rent uh, people who want apartments to um to use out there, and probably less who are willing to give them up to use. Um, I think they made the wrong choice in that particular decision. Um, but and uh, yeah. Yeah, and and we're speaking about it now, and this was an experience two to three years ago. And I, uh, because I knew Joe had that experience, um, I did some YouTubing and found, you know, loads and loads of examples of uh, of people that were uh, disgruntled with the whole user experience and uh, 
you know, learn learn lessons from it. And one of the lessons is to use other types of services where you're not exposed to the risks that uh, the Airbnb business model exposes people to. And it's a flaw in the business model, right? If they don't address that, then then no trust will be garnered. And uh, at the end of the day, it'll uh, it'll seed the seed ground to competitors. And 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 yet it applies to hotels as well. I mean, you and I had a great. Um airbnb experience when we stayed in harlem when we went to the states the last time and i mean that was a great apartment for good value the owner was a pretty decent sort of chap no issues with that one at all um and i've stayed in hotels where they look fantastic and you can you look at the pictures and when you get there and you go hmm somebody's really Mm -hmm. bloody good at photoshop in their marketing department and you you would expect better from them but it's all puffery so where's the trust yeah yeah, well, you know, we could uh, we could write lyrical about uh, Airbnb and Uber for that matter. Um, ad nauseum, really, because they're they're trying hard, but they're not quite there yet. Well, your your other your other downside to the trust and where where risk comes out, I think, is Uber. You're getting into a car with somebody that you would hope has been vetted, and I think they've got yeah. even bigger problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. When you get into any business, it requires human business, human beings at scale. You know, uh, you, you're going to end up with problems. Yep. All right. So, real new new rule for a new economy number two is uh, the central imperative of the connection economy is to amplify relationships. So you spoke that loudly on purpose. Well, yeah, because <laughs> amplification I was is everything. Hands the, I was. I was waving my arms at the same time, but so we haven't quite mastered that <laughs> trick on your radio show yet, have we? No. <laughs> Thank you for the visual. Um, yeah. So, so what does it mean by this? Right. What it's saying is that you know, obviously, connection connection economy is brought about as a result of technology, which, as you know, ultimately ends in trust. But when you look at the communication dimension of the technology that's emerging in the connection economy, um, that technology doesn't really manage information that creates value as such. Certainly, you know, that information, certain information can inform the design of future systems through, you know, big data plays and what have you. But the fact that you're generating information by itself using the technology, you know, isn't isn't of major importance because you know what 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 your takeaway is uh, is that uh, the technology that's emerging is the medium of relationships. It's today it's relationships that lead to the main economic event. And as we've discussed, you know, the fact that um, you know productivity, increase of productivity, or or readjustment of productivity with technology is is really neither here nor there because uh, you know it's about relationships. Um, so, so that decreases the importance of productivity. Relationships are the main economic event. Um, and then when you combine the fact of connectivity and the, dyma- the dynamic of globalization taken together, that creates the capacity for hyper-relationships. So, you know, when I think about this rule and how it applied to me, um, Right. What do what have we got? Technology doesn't really manage information. It's the medium of relationships. So the technology that we use out there on the web, WordPress, contains all my knowledge, all my know-how, all my IP. Hmm. So uh, you know we've 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 we've, ma- we've got the information out there using technology. But what but what what have we done that for? Well, we've done it to create relationships. 
So ergo, you know, technology doesn't really manage information. It is the medium of relationships. Um, and the fact that we can put all our know-how out there for free for everybody, um, in a sense, collectively, it incre increases the productivity of, say, in a very small way, the immigration department. Because, because in, in relation to the visa types that we do, which is a, a minuscule part of the overall work that the immigration department do, but in, at least in relation to that minuscule part of the, the contribution that we make to the Hong Kong immigration department's operations by being organized and having all our shit together and putting cases forward that stand, you know, the best chance of approval the first time around, not having to engage in protected correspondence or what have you. Um, yeah, we've got we've got the ability to introduce productivity through the technology, but in the final analysis, that's that's that, that's irrelevant. It's meaningless because um, what's important, the real return on investment that we get from all of those endeavours, is the relationships. Mm. Because it's the relationships that lead to, you know, the, uh, the money that we make and our ability to, you know, continue to grow and prosper. Here's a, here's an aside um, question and, on that. Mm -hmm. does, yeah, does, yeah, yeah. Do you having all of your information on the internet actually make you more productive in that you don't have to answer uh, as many questions or go into it as deeply because people have already read up a fair amount of what you've provided? Well, here you go, right? You know, we know, get get this, Jason, right? We know that there are essentially 350 to 400 unique visitors to our website every day. And we know that they spend just under three minutes on, on our website. And we know that they spend just under three pages uh, each visit. So essentially what we're doing, every, uh, every, every day we're dishing up uh, information uh, between 1,000 and 1,200 times, which conceptually could be, a thousand to one thousand two hundred questions that could be asked of us that we might receive via email if that information wasn't available for people, because mm -hmm. those questions are out there and then looking for answers to them. Sure. So that's the need in the marketplace for what we've got. So to the extent that I don't get those one thousand questions coming in that I need to answer in order to create relationships, yeah, absolutely, our website is all about um, productivity and increased productivity because it gives a scale. Sure. Okay. So, so once the relationships have led to the main economic event, we move on to connectivity and globalization. Well, uh, no, we just, no, we just, uh, well, that's correct. Yeah. So basically, because once you've got a footprint on the web, you're accessible to the entire world. Um, because the entire world uh, has no problems dealing with individuals who are now on the other side of the world. It's only 30 years ago, Jason, that you wouldn't trust anybody that you, you'd only just met by an unsolicited letter or a fax out of the blue. Mm. Um, you, you just wouldn't do that, right? So now that we've got that capability, it means that um, you, you've got the potential to create hyper-relationships because both the connectivity dimension and the attitude of let's say the connected world is towards, you know, uh, creating relationships and, uh, uh, and, um, and operating at that scale that previously, you know, you're never able to operate at. Hmm. So then number three, we'll finish this one next time out. I think, uh, Jason, this hmm. section, because, uh, this book was a great book and I can only encourage your listeners to read, read it, yeah. um, several times. Cause, uh, you know, I'm, I constantly, uh, go to it. Do you go, do you go back um, to the work of so, your four intellectual heroes? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, uh, I, went, I just I, I watch TED Talks, uh, not TED Talks, uh, YouTube videos more often than not. Um, and uh, occasionally I'll, re I'll reread a book 
but I also have a subscription to Blinkist, Blinklist. Do you know it? You try to put me on it because you like reading books in snippets. I like reading books yeah. with all of the content, but I know you're a man of limited time and I'm a man of limited further education, as you like to say. So. Well, 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 yeah, yeah, I'm living in the Drakensberg. <laughs> Listening to the cows come home every evening. It's, uh, you've got time on your hands. I have. And interest. You have. Yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. No, so with Blinklist, I, uh, it's a subscription. It's about 20 bucks a month or something. And, and what they do is they summarize uh, all the major works and they turn a chapter in a book down to what they call as a blink. Uh, and it's it, it's a really well tightly edited collection of summaries of the main of the main events of what's going on in, in books. Mm. Um, so I'm able to consume a lot because they also have a pretty um, have a pretty good voice uh, artificial artificial voice type synthesis and uh, uh, it's listenable now. <laughs> Previously it wasn't listenable, but it is now. So I'm able to listen to it like a podcast, right? So I go running for seven kilometers and I've li- I've, I've read three books by the time I get back. <laughs> yeah. You are tuned into Jane Austen. I can't imagine it. I don't do fiction, mate. No, but the point here. <laughs> oh, poetry. The point, the point here is uh, not much. No, I, I don't have a flowery turn of phrase. Alas, I'm much more logical in my words. <laughs> I don't have um, a flowery turn of phrase. He says flowerly. <laughs> not like you, mate. Not like you. Uh, Wilting. Yeah. So, so I'm able. I'm able to revisit the works of uh, of all my intellectual heroes. There's nothing really much on Charlie Munger other than the line with Warren Buffett. But, um, but the other three guys, uh, and indeed Clay Christensen. Um, I listen and and I listen to Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for uh, 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 tw- Twelve Rules basically. Mm. Uh, the other day. Um. So yeah, I, I am revisiting it, and it's uh, it's really quite good to be reminded. It's all, also given the nature of these summaries, it's it's a, a great opportunity for me to to see how the reality of what they were suggesting has manifested itself in fact, in terms of how I've in, inculcated their ideas into my business model. And remember, a lot of the stuff that they were saying was kind of theoretical, hypothetical, because they had, they had great crystal balls. Mm. Um, I can confirm that what they were saying is 95%, uh, you know, on the money, uh, and certainly 100% provocative, and gives you the framework to do the thinking in. Mm, well, I did, um, I did a similar get... thing. Mm-hmm. I started watching a new TV series called The Handmaid's Tale. Now, I had no idea what it was about, and as soon as I started watching it, I had absolutely even less idea of what it was about. So I decided to go and see if I could find the cliff notes on what the plot was about. (laughs) (laughs) Great art, great art. And and I was reading it and then I thought, well, they're giving the story away now I need to go back again because I'll I'll have to admit that I did start watching it quite late at night and I had some some, um, cough medicine. So I don't you were think I, for half of it. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I was in that sort of dazed state, and then, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was bizarre. So I thought either I need to stop taking this shit, or I need to find out what's going on because the two Carry just on. yeah they don't tie together. Uh, anyway, all right. So what's uh, lined up for yeah, the rest of your yeah. week? Uh, well, it's a long weekend, right? So Friday uh, or Monday being the Friday, holiday. Monday, Monday being the holiday. Yeah. So nice. I've got quite a uh, quite a, a weekend of strategy lined up ahead of me, and uh, I'll be working hard while you're um, 
you know, metaphorically taking taking the spas at Baden-Baden out there in the Drakensberg. <laughs> well, I read books and listen to the cows come home. Good, sir. Thank you very much for your time this morning. And uh, let's catch up again next Friday. You have a great week. Digital Bacon FM. Join us next time to find out more about new rules of the connection economy. Mm-hmm.